Hey folks, today's a really powerful episode that may empower and liberate you to be more successful than you have been in the past. And this is how to implement a war board. A war board is a battle-tested strategy to actually pull the things that you're working from your unconscious and make it real. And you do this by writing it down. And so we talk about what are your projects, short-term, long-term, what does your perfect day actually look like? And what are your ethos that will navigate that journey? How to implement these things. It's your war board and well worth taking a listen to. Welcome to another episode of the Winner Folsom Podcast, your source for battle-tested leadership and resiliency. Philip, what do we got for our guest today? Yeah. Well, hey, we like to dive in here and share our individual and collective journeys with people. And this is part of how wisdom and best practices and, and things, particularly in our current culture, where very isolated, you might be working from home, you might be disconnected from your brothers and sisters from the military or some other previous life transition. So part of this agenda is sharing some of the just life skills, which is leadership, and also some of the resiliency skills, which is how we continue living through life. So I'm going to share one of the important things that I have been developing over the last couple of years that has really allowed me to navigate a continual journey through some challenging things. And so the topic today is a war board. And you don't have to have a big board like this. You can have a flip chart. You can have post-it notes. You can have magnets on a refrigerator, like whatever makes sense for you. But having something that's in front of your fucking face that reminds you of what you should and should not be doing uh, is indispensable because we are creatures that get sucked into day-to-day -day distractions and we get diffused and we play with this all the time. So if you're going to go to war with that I guess, self-sabotaging system that we all have within us, you're going to have to put some infrastructure, some pieces on the board. And for me, that is my war board. And so I wanted to go through that and share with you kind of the philosophy of it, but also what I have on mine so that you can steal shamelessly because you cannot steal what is freely given. I may be stealing some things. Yes. You got a perfect spot right behind you there on the right. You know, I had a war board and it died in my transition from my last place to here. It shattered, the glass shattered. I had one of those cool black ones, same as yours, just black with different, yeah. and it died. So I've been using a um, a notepad currently for my warboard. So yeah. And hey, it's really a journal, right? Your daily planner. That's a warboard too, in a lot of ways. But you know, the, the term warboard comes from the military, obviously, is that you get to see some big field of battle where generals slide tanks across it or horses or whatever, you know, that's the warboard. And we're really doing the same thing in that battle against the enemy within, which is the one that wants to distract us and sabotage us. But we want to be able to slat our pieces and make sure that we're controlling the center of the chessboard. And this is where we win. So some of the premise of this, and not to get too heady or anything, but most of our life is happening unconsciously, right? And these are our habitual patterns that we're doing without thinking. They're very efficient. They're very effective for maintaining what is. To be able to actually now transition into creating what could be, we have to get very intentional and we have to establish practices and those are hard. So every lazy bone in our body, and we have a lot of them, probably 206 of them or four. How many bones are there? Some. I'm going to go 206. Yeah. You guys can put it in the comments, how many bones we have in our body. Most of them are fucking lazy bones. They don't want us to be running hard, inefficient practices so they're sucking us into 
the unconscious where we go to sleep and we just go through our day and we just eat habitually and we do whatever we do. So to keep our intentions, our dreams, our passions above the surface of the water where we can own them, uh, we really have to write them down. And in every spiritual system in the history of humanity, God or the gods create reality with their words, right? You know, they, they shape it, they call it forth with their words. And there is something magical, and it might just be straight psychology, if it isn't mythology, that when we say something, it is a declaration, right? The word abracadabra, it's a Sanskrit or it's an ancient language that means I create what I speak, abracadabra. And we do. That's the act of spelling, right? Which is both writing and magically creating. So it, it's built into our history is that when we speak and when we write, it generates a different reality. And that's why it's so important for us to do that and not just run autopilot. And so writing is one of the ways we create our reality. And uh, the warboard is a great way to have that in your face all the time. So in my warboard, I have a couple, I have my high profile projects. These are my non-negotiable. I must hit them this week. And I have a, a short list of those. And that's the, whatever you happen to do that in your careers, you, you want to write those down. And then you get this little dopamine, Josh, a little dopamine hit when you get a, you know, remove that from the board. There's a little bit of a attaboy. And there's also a little bit of healthy shame when you don't. At the end of the week, when you go, ah, yeah, I didn't do that thing that was written right in front of me that I declared. And shame is not completely negative experience, like it is often taught in our current culture. You know, no shame, no regret, no judgment. Well, those things all exist because they're evolutionary design features to hold us accountable for doing the things that don't cause us the discomfort of shame, regret, and judgment. It's a very useful tool uh, used skillfully and, and uh, intentionally. So my first list is the things that I, I have to do, and I, I have it right by the door. So when I leave my office door, I have to look at those things every single time. So have to do yeah. meaning what's your time frame on those? Weekly. And this guys, is, this, this yeah. has to get done this week is yeah. on that list. Great question. So it's, almost like, it's almost like urgent, immediate. And you'll notice that when you start putting, I don't know, post-it notes on your wall, after about a week, they disappear. They're still there, but they disappear. And they just become part of your wall. Like, oh, yeah, I just thought that was part of the house. It's like, <laughs> no, you put that shit up there a week ago. You just don't see it anymore because it's become a habit. You know, your old inner enemy has like absorbed that and disguised it like a landmine. Like, oh, don't look at that. I erase my warboard and then I rewrite it every week. And that's a pain in the ass, particularly when I'm rewriting shit that I should have done last week. Hmm. Right? So those are my weekly goals. And for me, I'm writing books right now. I've got other projects. And so those are the, I guess, tactical steps that are in front of me with my weekly goals. So you write those every week. You look, and when do you do those? Like on a Sunday or Monday? When? Yep. So on I look at Sunday as obviously that there's some you know, spiritual reflection and recovery involved in Sundays, right? Or Saturdays in the Jewish religion. So, but it's also the time when we not only recover, but we regroup for the next week. So on Sundays is when I go through my, I do my warboard and then I go through my schedule and shameless plug. This is amazing. This is the best journal for warrior class people that exists. It has, an amazing Sunday planning two-page spread in it. And so it's, it's a really brilliant, really brilliant piece. So Sundays is when I do this. It's also when I do, redo my warboard. Great. So you're going first column. This is the list that has to get done no matter what this week. Yep. 
the next column are large scale projects. These are the things that you just bought a house. You could like, you could take that off of the, I mean, imagine erasing that from your warboard. Cause that's been on there for years. And it's like, whoosh. Yeah. I bought a house or whatever those big, larger scale and scope projects. I have a good bunch of those too. You know, big projects. And then the next one over is, this is my tactical list of the things that I should be doing and should not be doing. And that's the perfect day. I know in my gut and in my head what I should and should not be doing. And yet I don't, it's sort of this vague idea. And I think most people that I know have this vague idea that, yeah, there's things I should eat and shouldn't eat. And sometimes I do it. Sometimes I don't. You can't win that battle. It's too slippery. It's guerrilla warfare in your brain. And you're going to lose that one because they have home court advantage, right? Your enemies. So to take the fight to them, write that perfect day down. Uh, all the things you should be doing, if you're like that flawless Jedi guy or gal that you want to be, and then all the things you should not be doing or should and should not be doing. I think in my life, I have probably hit five perfect days. And within the last six months, I've been starting to hit them, which means, you know, I am developing, I'm hitting my marks, I'm hewing closer to that day. And very simply, when I live that day, I get my face in some ice. I have optimized my sleep. I'm not eating sugar. I'm meditating. I'm foam rolling. When I hit that list, I have a good day, regardless you know, of anything else. I'm a nicer person. I'm a better husband. I'm a better dad. I accomplish more things. I'm happier. The world treats me differently. So there are levers available to make our life better. And I know you're kind of starting that perfect day thing too. Yeah, you inspired me. I, you and I've always had morning rituals, evening rituals. We even have check boxes in the K4 journal and a lot of things. But that that perfect day inspired me because it's broader. It's a broader, and I'm and I just started a dopamine reset. And so at this time, I put the two to two together and said, okay, how do I run thirty days of the perfect day as close to it as I can get? And I got to say, I'm only on day two, but it just re inspired me knowing. What do I got to look down with? What do I got to do? And my goal this month is that is the priority, is the perfect day, not giving into the world around me. So it's been really helpful. Of I mean, yesterday, I think it was like eight o'clock and my day got screwed up. I had to go to the new duplex with my tenants to handle some things. And I was like, I got to get exercise it. So I went to the gym at like eight o'clock. Was there at all? Yeah. So it was really good or yeah. nine o'clock thing check. So it's just really fulfilling checking that box every day, mm-hmm. um, knowing you hit the target and Again, you're not going to do it perfect. Like you said, my goal time to wake up is six. I woke up at 6.30 today, but I still feel like you're making a lot more progress. Um, Even just not using my phone. That was a big one. Like, oh, I took my phone out of my room or on the other side of my room um, at nine o'clock. It's like, okay, here's the, so it's good. It's just good. I feel like you start to hit it. It's the one that I'm failing at with great regularity. We need to be on our phones. Uh, Everybody listening here, you're probably listening on your phone. So there, the phone is is a tremendous tool, but it's a horrific master. Mm-hmm. And so most of us, you know, that's how we connect with news and information and our tribe and work. Like it's a tremendous tool, but boy, it's got a, it's got a sharp edge going both directions. And so managing that one is a separate little battle almost, you know, and setting boundaries and blocks of no bathroom for the phone. And I, I this morning, like going to go in there and take a shit. And I, I have a book I'm reading. I'm finishing Johnny L. Sasser's book, you know. Which, oh, nice. Shout, shout yeah. out, Johnny. You know, it's it's on my shelf in there in the bathroom. And then, but I had my phone. I was like, oh, but I could do a quick little scroll, you know, and maybe answer some <laughs> comments. And I didn't do it. And huh. because I didn't do it, huh. I read a couple chapters of Johnny's book 
got, you know, underlined some cool stuff. And so there it was perfect day, that protocol around. And that's the one I'm, I'm losing with great regularity currently. I like what you said. It's a constant battle. There's little wins, little, little givens, and you win or lose those little battles, but they start to go a long way over time. I remember there was a great book um, called The Slight Edge, and it just talked about these little things. It's just as easy to not do them as it is to do them. Like, hey, you not look at your phone versus look at your phone. And if you look at the trajectory, you just not looking at your phone in the bathroom, that trajectory over a year, two, three, four, five years, how many books have you consumed? Just doing that one thing a day, you are oh, yeah. growing and becoming a different human versus not doing it, right? So there's these yeah. slight little details. I think that's what a lot of this is, is what are those two little millimeters 20 times a day that if we do those and not do the other ones, our life is radically different. And I like the... I think as humans, it's I'm really noticing we really have to almost pound that into our subconscious because we move towards entropy. It's really easy to float towards entropy. So to engage towards the actual habits you want and to build your perfect day is really hard, but really fulfilling. I equate, as soon as you write it down, a lot of you have resisted this, the act of actually intentionally designing and shaping your life. Because the moment you do, now you're in the arena, right? Oh yeah, oh, welcome to the arena. And now you're going to get hit because you're now going to fail at what you said you were not going to do. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens in the arena. You know, you get bloodied, you get beaten, but you also start learning and you eventually start figuring out some techniques to start winning some rounds, you know, and that's the transition when we go from establishing the practices of our perfect day to sliding into rituals, right? That morning ritual, no longer a practice. Like I almost don't even need to write down my morning ritual meditation, my tonic, my mobility. It's not a, it's no longer a practice for me. And I don't even need it on that list because it's, it's built in. Even when I'm traveling, I'm doing, you know, keynotes or whatever. I do that in a hotel now. And so it, it is now part of my identity is I'm a meditator. I'm not a man who meditates. I'm a meditator. Uh, yeah. One, one other thing I was going to say uh, before we go too far ahead also is one thing that can be helpful is titration. So for example, with me on the phone, I initially, my first boundary is no apps is my step one. My step one is no apps after nine o'clock. And then of course, as soon as nine o'clock hits, a text message from a client wanting to restart coaching. And, you know, so I engaged, but I was like, all right, this first week, mm -hmm. I'm just doing no apps. And then I'm going to look at it like, okay, next week, could I actually remove actually engaging on my phone? Right. So I think there's reason I say titration is sometimes if we're really, maybe I've even done this with guys in porn. I had to do it with myself in porn. Like I couldn't just go cold turkey. I needed to build in little wins of progress. So, you know, same thing there. It was like, oh, no porn. Well, first, just don't, like a lot of times we have a ritual. So you change the ritual. Okay, so you create little wins of like, all right, if you do it in bed or in the shower or somewhere, you change the ritual location. Mm -hmm. So you're like, okay, I have to do it in this new location. Yeah. This is at least a quick little snippet on titrating porn that's worked for me and worked for a bunch of other guys who can't kick it. Is one, you do a ritual. So first week, you just change the ritual. So meaning you can't do your old ritual, but you can still do whatever else you were doing. Yeah. Week two. Don't, don't take the phone in the bathroom. That's the change of that. Yeah, that would be the change right. like Step for the bathroom one. change. Step, Step one, one is just don't change the thing. Yeah. Step two would be change the content, right? So that would be like, okay, instead of looking at porn, I'm just gonna use the porn example. And then you could pair the, pull the parallel. And the first week you can, you can look at anything. Second week, you have to pick one woman that turns you on and you can only look at her. So you basically, you're still giving permission you're now doing it in a different location, but you're watching you like we get bored of the dopamine. We want to go see variety. You're forcing yourself to go. Well, I can still go here, 
but I can only look at this one woman. Third week, you remove like the woman. Junk, shit cereal you don't want to eat. Yeah, you can still eat cereal. Yep. But it's going to be no sugar cereal. It's like, that's ooh. it. That's it. And so, so what ends up happening, though, at least when I put myself through it, little by little by little, you start to build wins and say, mm-hmm. oh, I could change ritual because I gave, you know, I was doing my ritual. I still did it. Next, it was like, oh, I could titrate down to one, which starts to reduce the dopamine hit, which is that huge urges we have as we're slowly titrating down. And then third, now you can move to social media. So what ends up happening is you do that over four weeks, five weeks. Now, by the fifth week, you're like, oh, I've slowly built little wins to titrate off and to get results. So I just want to say, yeah, if you're failing with the specific boundary or a specific not going here on your perfect day or where I want to go. Try titrating and building little wins and break it into five steps versus one step. And I find it works across the board. That's why I'm doing it with my phone. Like I can't quite give up my whole phone, but I can give up apps for two hours in the morning and two hours in the evening that I can do. And then I'll work towards texting calls and everything else. Love it. Okay. So perfect day. That's written down really powerful modality and almost a spiritual practice you can take. Uh, You deserve it. Like you deserve to live like that and your people and projects demand it. The last column I have, which is right here, this is my ethos. And it's obviously the biggest column, pain in the ass to rewrite. But because it's a pain in the ass, it makes me get rid of the stuff that's not relevant. Do you rewrite all these every week? Yeah. Oh, I thought you just wrote your weekly hit list. No, dude, I, I get the spray bottle with the Windex. Because this is like a glassy kind of board. I fucking take it down naked and then I rewrite it. Wow. The whole work, the whole sheet. Because it has you yeah. re-see it, recommit to it. Oh, Every yeah. time you do it, you're recommitting. Oh, yeah, 100%. And there's something like an old school dojo where they clean the floors, you know, either the mats or the wood. little aspect of that of like, okay. Or after the Buddhism, they make these beautiful mandalas and then they destroy them, you know, after they've made them. So it's impermanent and has to be recreated. So column one is weekly hit list. Column two is big projects, like yep. the bucket list items, big projects you're working towards. Column three is what is your perfect day, which are the do's and don'ts of how you want to live your life moving towards the best version of you. Yeah. And then tactical. And then column four is your ethos, your vision, mission values, or your who you are as a man, how you live your life. Not so much mission because mission would be all the projects on the other side. Hmm. It's more of the values and maybe connected a little bit to vision, but by ethos, I mean, it's my commandments. What would be an example of one? Well, let's start at the top. Hey, we thank you for listening to the Winner Folsom podcast. Just a couple quick notes. First, if you are a man and you're looking for an honorable and inspiring group of men to hold you accountable and challenge you to grow in your relationships, your fitness, your career, your finances, and your life, go to www.k4men.com. And if you are a veteran, first responder or man or woman who deals with trauma and you are looking for some resiliency tools and skills for you, your team, your organization, go to ValorResiliency.com. Hope to see you there. Back to the podcast. Discomfort is okay. It is tension in the body. Stay hungry. That's my first line. I don't like being uncomfortable. It's something that I avoid doing and everything, you know, I'm lazy. I'm an inherently lazy person. And that means I'm an undisciplined person, right? And I actually got this from Glover when he was on the show. He wrote No More Mr. Nice Guy. Highly recommend that book. Change your life. So Dr. Robert Glover, we were, he was talking about uh, fasting. 
And he goes, yeah, actually, I like to be a little bit hungry. It just feels like tension in my body. And I was like, dude, I hate or I have a story about tension in my body. Back to your porn thing. Oh, I'm a, I'm a little horny. You know, I think I want to get rid of that tension. Right. Or yep. I'm a little bit maybe like a little hungry or bored. I'm going to go just fucking get a little sugar bump or oh, like for you, like the dopamine hit. Like, oh, you know, wouldn't it be great to have that little that little hit and see if anybody liked my pictures? So when he said, yeah, all those things are just kind of tension in my body and I kind of like it. And I was like, all right, that goes on the board. So that's yeah. line one. And I have a whole list of those things. One of them is memento mori. Remember, you will die. And the next to it is hoka hay, which is today is a good day to die. And then windows close. That's my fourth line down. Mm. And I'm 56 and I can see the windows now. Whereas when I was your age, there were no, there was no windows. It was just, I was living life and it went on forever. And I'm at the age now where it's like, oh, yeah, you have about five more years to do that or not do that. So, and that isn't nihilistic or bleak or like, oh, it's actually a celebration of, oh yeah, remember you will die. And actually it could happen today. Today's a good day to die. So you fucking better live like this is your last day because windows close. And that's one of the lines. And for me, that's an important thing that I need to have like shoved in my face, like eat this. So that's my last, those are the commandments that are allowing me to continually move through the desert towards the promised land. If I don't have those commandments, then what am I following? You know, how am I behaving? What is my compass by which I navigate a successful life? And so that one's for me, that's the last column. Uh, and it's kind of fun because everybody's going to be able to create their own commandments, which is uh, in these times, because we've killed God, like Nietzsche says, we do, we're in charge of shaping our, our own reality. And what I'm noticing, and particularly in the men's community, is we're going back. We're going back to the Stoics. We're going back to the Bible. We're going back to philosophy. It's like, you know, Heraclitus and Marcus Aurelius. We're looking for ethos. You know, how do I navigate this trip of my life? There are giants back there. And I'm not a giant, but there are giants in my ancestry. And I'm going to pull those. And last one, the last piece on my warboard is uh, open space. So everything you see in black, that's stuff I've written down because it's stuff I'm thinking about, or I read, or I wake up, I'm like, oh, I gotta write it, write it down. I always make sure that I have at least 50% of white space that is freedom to you know synthesize and capture and write notes and have my daughter come in and write me a little, some inappropriate joke or draw a picture. So I make sure that's kind of intentional and philosophical that I want to have enough freedom and space in my life that I can express and celebrate and have the fuckery of life that makes it worthwhile. Oh, good. I actually <laughs> might, I want to cheat and have a, a picture of you live by mottos. And it's, it's interesting, even as you said that it's cool. I've seen your journey and seen where you've taken notes. And it was cool to see you like you taking a moment, me watching you sit down and write it down. And then to see that's actually been on your board replaying over and over and over again really yeah. powerful. It's one of those things you've constantly said is men must speak and men must write. And to see that written thing that was like, oh, that was great. How many times has we've heard something like that was great and it disappears into the ethos yeah. versus having a war board, something goes right on that list. You know, hey, this is something else I want to live by because yeah. um, it's going to make me a better man. I think what I'm hearing from all this, which we've talked about a number of times, but for anybody listening, you see great men in the world and you become it. You literally carve yourself 
into the man that you want to become. It doesn't just happen from our Philip and I's viewpoint, right? We don't, or I'll speak from my viewpoint. I don't see it just happening. I feel like it's through diamonds or shape through pressure and tension over time. And it's the same thing. Good men, powerful men. I'll say powerful men that are both good and powerful are shaped. And it, it comes from our own shaping, a combination of the shaping from nature and the world. We get our ass kicked in and the combination from kicking our own ass in to become the man we need to get. Cause we're going to err. We, Philip and I worked with hundreds of men, you know? So at this point, thousands of men. So it's like at the point where men are typically split on one side based on our trauma, we either end up the hero or the villain. Same thing, same pattern over and over again, same wound. It's just how we're interpreting the world. So if you've done a lot of, if you've naturally become a powerful man that feels like a villain and hurts people, you're going to have to shape yourself into also being a good man so that you have both sides. You have power and you can be a good human. If you become a really good boy, right, or, or a nice guy and have lost your sense of wildness and power, you're going to have to reclaim that power in yourself because the world, how your trauma showed up and how your wound showed up made you a good man. You're going to have to build that power. So really, I think, at least from my viewpoint, one side of that, you're going to have to till. The other side of it, the world's going to force you to till until you become this man that has more integration in you. And so what a powerful way to weaponize yourself daily. And I know you're in the grind daily. I mean, you're actively, we talk a lot about the dragon. You are actively engaging with riding your dragon daily and going over the things that are the hardest for you, the hardest resistance for you, you're conquering and going to battle with every day. You're in the arena. So this is how you're living your life daily to engage with that dragon and to keep your head straight. So I guess, I guess a couple of questions for you around that. What does it do by you physically rewriting that every week? Do you notice a palpable increase in your effectiveness in your, is it the writing of the rewriting of the words? Is it a recommitment each time? Is it a... Yeah create some motivation instilling you when you do yeah. it. And that's endless. The act of recommitment, it should be built in. And you even use the word, you know, all mm -hmm. things tend towards entropy, right? You know, we will always, your relationships are going to wind down to like, ah, oh, seems like a lot of work. It's like, what? No, I don't want to have that. You know, so we need to continually shovel coal. And that's the recommitment part. That's a universal component. You're not weak. If you need to recommit it, you're actually very strong to be able to see and then implement the recommitment it's a that needs to be built into every aspect of your life i got another question too this is just a really potent topic as you're going through it i realized like oh this is really i think everything we talk about is vital but i'm just seeing this how many men need a guiding map right now of their lives and again this could apply to women too but i really feel like men like you need to have your values you need to be looking at what's most important because we forget you forget that you're fighting for your relationship and you go to war every day on something else. And then at some point you give up if you're not paying attention, like I could be gone tomorrow. I've dealt with a lot of people that have lost the person they love the most without remembering memento mori, without remembering, uh, what was your other phrase? Haka, haka, hoka, hey, hoka, hey. And without these daily reminders, sometimes you say things that you didn't want to say and you don't recover or you don't repair or you let somebody go and then you're dealing with it later. So I think these are vitally important for living life to the fullest and becoming the best version of yourself. One more question for you. I know you do a lot to engage your family with this. So I think that's really interesting. First, it's like, I remember years ago, I remember Tony Robbins saying leadership is level one is getting yourself to do the things you don't want to do. Level two is supporting an organization or a community or a family unit to do the things they don't want to do. And level three is actually having it happen when you're not there. Yeah. So I just wanted to talk about, I feel like you've been able to not only do this with yourself, 
but with your family unit. And I think that would be really vital to talk about for a minute. So the the sequence that we use in K4, we operate with the map of the hero's journey, which is again, a, that quadrant based model of which is unavoidable psychological series of the way we engage with life. So habit, default setting. Practice is growth. Ritual is established growth that is ongoing. And then the last phase is tradition. This is when you have passed on your rituals to something larger than yourself. You've established a tradition, which is what you're referring to with my family is that my wife now meditates. It's non-negotiable for her. We have a tradition. And so we have a lot of you know, traditions of, as you know, it's even simple things like our our dogs and shopping and maintenance and exercise and spiritual practice. And like, there are now traditions that are established in our family unit. And that's, I think that there's a measure of legacy involved in that, right? It's bigger than yourself. And that's the, probably the place that, you know, are shooting to arrive to because it's meaningful, it's significant. Um, our own journey is pales next to the impact that our journey has on other people. And I think that that has to be acknowledged. On the dark side of it, we all know a lot of guys who have checked out because of the meaninglessness of their life, but they're not factoring in the fucking blast radius of that. You know, you yourself are, are still dealing with the echo of that blast for oh, yeah. know, 20 years or whatever. So on the negative side, you know, we affect other people and I've negatively affected a lot of people in my ad more adolescent state. Mm -hmm. So on the other side is we get to positively affect other people. Our light illuminates other people and our flame ignites other people's journey. So that's where I'm pushing this sort of last ferocious phase of my life is, you know, how big of a fire can I push out into the world? Yeah, I really, I'm thinking about that through the eyes of your daughter, like being raised in a household where most of us come from trauma, right? Most of our parents have their own trauma. Most of our family units didn't have good models of men behaving in a certain way. So what's the example of hey, here's what my goals are. Everybody can look at my goals, right? Here's how I live my life by. And here's my ideal of my perfect day. Like, again, looking at it through the example of her, the observation that she's going through, and then the, the culture and tradition, even if she's not always participating, just to see what that was like as a household growing up, think of her conditioning of like, what a tradition is, is like, oh, this is just what we do at home, right? So it, she may it, ping pong a little bit out, but yeah, she's going to end up probably coming she back. Does, she doesn't do it, but then eventually she does. There uh -huh. is a lag time uh -huh. when I guess the lead boat takes off and you got to pick up the slack mm -hmm. you know, before the next boat hooks. Our daughter's um, almost 17, 17 now. So I, I've seen um, the cadence of how long it takes for her to engage with whatever Tanya and I are doing. Whatever we implement, whether it's a workout regimen or it just takes a little while. It might be a couple of weeks, probably a couple of months before they're going like, oh, that's kind of cool. Hmm. Like, what is that? What's that about? And so don't get discouraged, you know, if your people are lagging, right? Because they're having to process through a bunch of resistance on their end. Your kids and your people are rarely going to listen to you, but they're always watching you. So that is really the only leadership tool we have is to model behavior and be the lighthouse. And that's what I have learned from parenting and um, can't be dragging people. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like if she watches you meditate every day or do certain things every day or a stretching wind down in the evening, at some point, just from not even saying anything, it's got to be like, this must be good for me. If my dad does it every day without missing, there must be something to this. My, like there's a curiosity to like, why would he invest his time every way to do this? And now I'm watching mom do this. And now 
okay, I'll try it out. <laughs> like yeah. it's the best example is to model the behavior. What do they say? Don't say what I, you know, model as I do, not as I say, but if you're doing and saying are aligned, it's a whole oh, different yeah. level. Well, you can't deny also certain aspects. You run your perfect day, you're better looking. Mm -hmm. You're making more money. You're fucking sexier. People start mm -hmm. talking about you. Like, I don't mean to just hoe out on all y'all listening, but the reality is you live that perfect day and you're basically just fuck sexy as fuck after a period of time. People like you more. So at some point, you know, the people who are watching you, who are questioning like, oh, that's that crazy thing. Like, nah, I, but I want... <laughs> I want that, or I want to get the paycheck that job is delivering. And that carries a lot of weight. And it takes time for that to be implemented and then adopted. But the reality is, you know, if you're living well, the world does respond to that because people treat you differently. And that equates into opportunities and friendships and acknowledgement and rich and famous and whatever measure of success is. So other people start noticing the outcomes of what you're doing and then are interested in the process. I also find when you are living the day you set towards or pretty damn close to it, there's a different level of integrity. I notice one quick story. And I know we're about wrapped up with this episode, but I remember I had an ex-girlfriend who would know, I only watched porn four times in our whole two and a half year relationship or something like that. I was the longest I'd ever gone at that stage. But I remember she would know the four times I did it, I would walk in the room and she'd be like, you did this. I'd be like, yes, I did. And it was just this whole, I mean, getting this huge conflict. I didn't lie about it, but I was almost like, how did she know? Like, I would, I've never had that happen. And I asked her, you know, after we transitioned, you know, how did you know? She's like, you would walk in. My body had a signature around shame. At some level, I was feeling shameful and she would feel that my body response. And that's how she knew. And so it was just a, again, how the body shows what we're doing. If you're in integrity, your body shows up differently. It tells the world you're trustable. It tells the world you have a, a stronger integrity within you. If you are saying things and not doing them, there becomes this gap or this leaky energy and people feel it. Lack of integrity, the lack of ownership, the lack of responsibility in you and they, they build less trust. Here's a challenge. What would you say would be a good challenge for those listening today? Get a warboard mm -hmm. and you don't need a fancy warboard. You get a piece of flip chart paper from Staples. Put that up in your office so you have to look at it. Don't hide it behind a fucking door. And I'll give you the extremity of this. I've lived in this house for 30 years in this house. and this has always been either my office or bedroom, this room, because I like it because I got a big, I can see all my lemon, my yard and everything. Above this door, 30 years ago, I wrote in Sharpie, a big black pen on the wall. Discomfort is okay. I'm not allowed to do that now because I live with a pottery <laughs> barn queen. But as a young man, I wrote on the wall. That was my warboard. It was like, ah, write it on the wall. It will never go away. So get a warboard, whatever that means for you. It could be post-it notes on a wall. It could be a flip chart paper. And then uh, build out your categories. And if you want to use my categories of weekly goals, long-term goals, perfect day, ethos, that's hmm. pretty solid commander's intent hmm. on moving forward with, with your life. That's your challenge. I love it. So do the challenge. If you want to add and you're feeling like stretching, add your perfect day. What would be a list of things that are do's and don'ts to your perfect day and see if you could follow that for as many days as possible. And hey, if anybody shares any of their ethos in the comments, I will share that my whole list. Hmm. But I'm going to make you guys work first. Or do a shout out and post it on your stories on online or somewhere else so we can see it. Yeah. I'll show you mine if you show me yours. So thanks guys for joining us today. Really appreciate it. And implement these. It works. Thanks for joining us. And remember, stay battle tested. Mm -hmm.